sticky. It's like messed up. It's like going to cause somebody to get hurt. It's too controversial right now. People are going to cancel us. People are going to upset with us. People are going to protest us. Just leave that over there. Unfortunately, that's not what you get to do in healthy relationships. You don't get to leave truth off on the side somewhere. Matter of fact, when you do that, if you have truth and only love, it's, it's, called, what we call, it's called truth's intention. You have love over here and truth over here. And it holds itself in tension like this, which is a healthy space to be. Because if you have only truth and no love, what happens if I just let go of this somewhere, right? If I just randomly just let go of this thing somewhere, it's going to cause somebody pain. (laughs) (laughs) See, truth without love is painful. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Truth without love is painful. Now, at the same time, If I have love and only truth, well, that sounds amazing and sounds glorious. Can I tell you, if I have only love without any truth, or or, yeah, love without only truth, it also becomes painful. It becomes painful because there's no boundaries for this love to travel down. There's no boundaries to determine what I really need in this relationship. How do I meet my needs? How do I become emotionally healthy? Because there's no boundaries or truth in it. I'm only loving. And when I'm only loving, it's usually only about me and never about the other person, which ultimately hurts the other person. Oh, I got him back in the back row back there. Look at that. (laughs) Truth and love must go together. Okay. Truth and love go together. Without them, we hurt people. The church, and I'll be the first to admit, the church, and yes, many Christians, have been so big on truth and so little on love hurt a lot of people. Some churches have been so big on love and so little on truth they're hurting people. Our culture is trying to do both of those things. All love, all love, all love, all love. And we're hurting a lot of people. We're damaging a lot of people. Truth and love and tension. Now, first of all, I'm going to say to you that I've had bad experiences around gender and sexuality talks with other people. And it's been a bad experience for you, a hurtful experience, particularly coming from other Christians. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wish I could make it better. I wish I could go back to that conversation and help the people navigate a healthier, better conversation, but I can't, which means it's your opportunity to practice forgiveness. That's reality, because that's how you're closer to Jesus, and forgiveness isn't letting that person off the hook. It's just saying, you know what? I'm going to push this side, this thing, and I'm going to practice forgiveness, because I understand that person actually doesn't understand what they're really talking about, because they're hurting people, and it happens all the time. My hope, my desire, my heart is, and every word I speak tonight, my hope is you hear love and grace and, yes, truth. And you can disagree with me. You can disagree with us. It's okay. Let's have the conversation. All right, let's have the conversation. So um, understanding that, that, that this is where we find ourselves in culture. Fundamentally, we're after connection. We're not after agreement. Um, we will always align ourselves with Scripture, even when it makes us uncomfortable. We'll always align ourselves with Scripture. That's what leads us closer to Jesus. That's why the book was written, okay? It is the, and the, the Scripture actually says that, that Jesus became the Word in flesh. He became this Bible in flesh is who Jesus was. He modeled it for us. So if we want to be more like Him, reread this and let it tr- uh, translate into our lives, which means it's going to challenge us in various ways. Then tonight is part of that challenge for some of us. If you're struggling with gender identity tonight, I want to challenge you to listen, not just shut down. If your viewpoint is currently different from a biblical scriptural viewpoint, I want to challenge you to listen, listen and not shut down. And if you're agreeing tonight with a biblical viewpoint, I want to challenge you to remain humble and full of grace and love. Can we all agree on that? 
Yeah, you sound, yeah, I think so, maybe. Can we agree on that? Yes. Yeah, there we go, much better, okay. All righty, so first of all, we need to understand that when it comes to uh, uh, gender identity, uh, roughly 3% of the teenage population is currently struggling with their gender. 3% of the population is struggling with that across the U.S. Some cities it's higher, some cities it's lower, on average 3% of the population, and that's from a stu- most recent study done, done in 2020, late 2020, 2021, okay, 3%. And some people say, why are we making such a big fuss about 3% of the population? Because Jesus goes after the one. He'll always go after the one, first thing. Number two, because the culture is making a big deal about it. So therefore, we must have a healthy conversation about it, okay? We will go after the 3%. It's only 3% of the population. I say it's only 3%, but the reality is most of us probably know in this room, most of us probably know someone who's struggling with their gender identity. It's just the context of our culture. Most of us probably are wrestling with that ourselves. Some of us, most of us in this room probably, maybe, or maybe a lot of us in this room are wrestling with, do I agree with that viewpoint or not? You don't even know. But because nobody's talking healthy conversations about it, it's either this viewpoint or that viewpoint. Don't discuss it anymore. We're not able to actually navigate together in a relational journey towards a healthy biblical relationship. With that 3%, in that 3%, I want to give you some statistics. Because this is what culture, I say cultural design, okay? Culture designed this in terms of um, uh, um, uh, coming out of various universities, coming out of various uh, studies that have happened. Culture has designed this idea that... That, that our sexual identity is actually found in our heads. It's found in our brains. It's found in our thoughts. It has nothing to do with anything else. It has nothing to do with the, the hormones in your body. It has nothing to do with the way you were born, male or female. It has nothing to do with that. It's all in your head. That's what culture is currently saying, okay? And there are various studies to back that up, and there are various studies to not back that up, all right? So you know, there's science on both sides. So don't come to me what the science is, because I can show you a thousand studies on this side and a thousand studies on that side contradicting each other, all right? But here's what uh, a recent uh, group in the U.S. gave some stats around the LGBTQ plus student population in America. They gave us some of these stats. Now, this group is not an ultra-conservative group. Matter of fact, it's not a conservative group at all, either, uh, in any way. It's not even a Christian group. It, this organization is particularly geared toward walking with LGBTQ plus students. That's their main thing. They fully support it. They fully back it. They have programs across the U.S. So these stats come from their studies and research. Okay, just so you know. 70% of LGBTQ plus youth stated that their mental health was poor most of the time or always. 70%. Almost half of LGBTQ plus students regularly think about or attempt suicide. Almost half. 94% of LGBTQ plus youth reported that the recent politics negatively impacted their mental health. Then we go to the adult context. Some people say, well, that's just because they're teenagers. Wait to become adults. Then it changes. Well, 81.7% of transgender adults consider suicide. 40.4% reported attempting suicide. And I can give you stat after stat after stat. And then what you find is, but yeah, so then they came along and said, well, what if, what if a lot of those stats around the poor mental health of, of people struggling with their gender identities, what if the poor mental health is coming from the fact that they don't actually uh, have good supporting environments? So they take the students and putting in good, put them in good supporting environments, and those numbers get cut in half. So from, from 70% comes 35%. From 40% comes 20%. 
But the problem is that's still double the national average of teens in America struggling with anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. That's still double the national average. Something is wrong. Not wrong with you if you're struggling, but something is wrong with this thinking when it's constantly leading you, students, who are beautiful and precious and glorious and amazing and, 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 and incredible in the things you do, the things I hear, the stories about your lives and, and, and how clever some of you are and how athletic some of you are, the personalities you've got, the beauty that's in this room. Something is wrong with our society when we're encouraging a possible lifestyle which is producing double the national average of suicide and depression and anxiety. Something's wrong. The question I've got here is, how's that working for us? It's not working really well. But then some people say, well, well, it's because we're fighting. We're pioneering a new way of thinking. We're pioneering something. And that's why it's so difficult right now. But when you go back and look historically, when you go back and look historically, when we're fighting for women's rights, when women weren't even allowed to vote, when women were considered property in some places, some, still some places in the world today, women are considered property. So fighting for women's rights, you don't see anywhere near those type of statistics in women as a general population fighting for women's rights, even when they're highly oppressed in various places. When you look at uh, fighting for racial equity, we don't see those same types of statistics within the racial context when people were enslaved because of the color of the skin. People are still enslaved today because of the color of the skin. You know what the greatest places for slavery in the world, for human trafficking? It's next door in Mexico. And yet we still don't see the same types of, same rates of suicide, attempted suicide, suicidal thoughts. So it's not just the fact we're pioneering, it's something else is going on here. And I don't have all the science behind it, I don't have all the details. It is vast volumes of reading. And the scientists themselves are still looking for it. The problem is this. The problem is the science is now starting to lean more towards, okay, listen, they're saying it's LGBTQ+, and now they're uncomfortable with the plus because we know, well, they say there's at least 28 or 29 possible gender identities, and now the science is saying, no, 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 no. There's a thousand, millions of possible gender identities that you get to completely, randomly, uniquely determine your gender identity. I was in the office reading some of this out to Melissa and some of the people in the office, and I was, I was just flabbergasted by, by, if you have the privilege of writing in your gender identity, students are writing sentences to describe their sexual identity. Something's wrong with our society when we feel so not known, so not loved, that we have to go to that extreme to stand out in the crowd. And my proposal to you is that we're not living in community any longer. We're so, we become so individualistic. That's all about me and what I feel determines everything. And not just if you're LGBTQ+, but also if you're male or female. A lot of what you feel determines whether you're dating or not. How far you go with that person when you're dating. We'll cover that next week. Because you're all guided, we're guided by feelings. It's always about the way we feel about things. Let's take a second and look at what God's design is because there's an important factor about God's design when it comes to the feeling dynamic. We're not saying we're denying the feelings. 
of any of those contexts, okay? We're not denying things at all, but, but what does God say about this? Well, let's look at Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave the names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up and placed and up, closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, dang, <laughs> this is last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Woo! She shall be called a woe man. <laughs> Whoa, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Now you can look at it various passages of different places in Genesis. You can see it over in Corinthians. In the New Testament, you can see it in various places, other places in the New Testament about man and woman. You only see male and female. That's all we see scripturally. We don't see anything else. We don't see any other pattern, any other design. It's not denying what you may be experiencing. I'm telling you what the biblical design is, okay? Now hold on to that. Biblical design is for male and female, man and woman, boy, girl. That's the biblical design. There is no other pattern. Now, why would, why would we constrain ourselves possibly to God's design? Because fundamentally, boundaries are beneficial. There are boundaries in every single part of your life. You cannot exist without boundaries in your life. It is impossible to exist without boundaries. Even though our culture is full on, full mode, full engaged in kind of deconstructing everything, and that's why this, it's becoming a, quite a big mess because there are no boundaries. Because without boundaries, you can't function. And when, especially when it comes to your emotion. If you don't put a boundaries to your emotion, you will blow your life up. I promise you. Any person will. Adult or teenager. It doesn't matter. You don't believe me? Look at a two-year-old kid. Because <laughs> a two-year-old child is just a younger version of you. Before they've learned how to manage themselves, Right? What does a two-year-old do in the shopping center when they see a chocolate? They reach out to grab the chocolate, and mama says, no. She puts a boundary in. What does a two-year-old do? Wow! Okay. Two-year-old throws a fit. Two-year-old starts stamping on the floor. Oh, chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. I know because I've seen them in the shopping center doing that, right? And if they still don't want what they get, they'll throw themselves on the floor, literally on the floor. Chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. They don't care what you see. They don't care what's going on. They don't care they're making it uncomfortable for everybody. They even make it uncomfortable for other adults because all the other adults in the shopping center are like, I don't know what's going on there. I'm stepping on this, walking around this kid. It's a two-year-old child, and adults are tripping around like it's a poisonous snake. I ain't going there. That, yeah, stay over there, <laughs> right? Suddenly, everybody comes afraid of a two-year-old kid because there's a raging emotion, unguided, unchecked emotion towards the one thing the child wants, and mama said no. And that's what's in each and every one of us. That same emotion, that same drive, that same force. Because when you get it in your head, you want something, or you want to become something, you will want, you will become that thing. Even if it's unbiblical, you'll convince yourself, you'll go there. Because that's the power God gave inside of us. 
He put the ability inside of us to shape and nurture culture, to create culture around us. He gave us that ability. He trusted you with the ability to shape culture. He put Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, listen, I'm putting you in a garden. I'm hedging you in this garden. I'm putting some boundaries around you. I'm putting you in the middle of that garden, and I want you to create something in this garden that sustains life. And said, okay, great, we'll do it. But he put him in a boundary context. Actually says he put them in a garden. The word garden there in Hebrew means the hedged in area. It means literally there are trees that hedged in like a garden. They couldn't get out. They were in the garden. Because he knew outside the garden it wouldn't be good for them. I'm limiting where you can create that. You're in this space. Stay in this space. This is healthy for you. And then they blew it. Had to leave the garden and deal with all the stuff around them. And deal with all the consequences of sin. And we're still dealing with the consequences of sin. And still dealing with the consequence of a broken boundary. Boundaries are important. And so he puts a boundary around our sexuality. This is who you are. I've created you this way. I've made you this way. I've designed you this way. For a purpose and a reason. Boundaries are there no matter where you are in your gender identity. For LGBTQ+, if you're struggling and not sure, as well as for heterosexual attraction, male, female, there are boundaries. Boundaries are not, boundaries are guides, sorry, boundaries guide our emotions versus our emotions guiding us. Boundaries lead us to God's goodness. Boundaries facilitate our flourishing. That's what they're there for. They lead us to God's goodness. They facilitate us flourishing in life. You show me people that have blown their life up, I'll show you people consistently that have broken boundaries. And we see it every week here at the church. I've had many conversations with some of you. Things that are happening, things that go on. Because we blow through a boundary and we start blowing our life up. Boundaries, just so you know, okay, boundaries are not about protection from, but about protection within. So boundaries are not, hey, you got to stay away from that thing. Stay away. It's bad. It's evil. It's me. No, no. That's not what the boundary is for. Because you are a powerful person. God's empowered you by His Spirit to step into those places to carry the light into the darkness, okay? So we're not afraid of anything. Be very clear. We're not putting boundaries into, ooh, stay away, danger, danger. Stranger, danger. None of that, right? Boundaries are put in place to protect us from what's within us. The brokenness that's there where we actually need Jesus. That's what the boundary's for. It's to manage us, not to, not to protect us from what's going on out there. Boundaries are not based in defensive mode, but they are to do with self-love. Boundaries aren't there defensively. They're there actually because you love yourself. You have a high value for the person God created you to be. And so you put a boundary in place. Even if I feel something different. Even if I feel like eating that donut today. I love myself too much. I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> Even if I want to be with that person. Male or female. But I know it's not a healthy space. Putting a boundary in place. Boundaries, boundaries are not about self-respect. Boundaries are about self-respect, not about someone respecting you. Boundaries are not are about self-respect. How much you respect yourself and what God's created you to be, they're not about whether people respect you and accept you or not. And that's what culture makes it. 
If you champion certain things out in our culture, you get championed. Hooray, you're an amazing person, you're an amazing person. If you come out against certain things in our culture, ooh, ooh. And so we start putting boundaries in according to, to how people respect us. And actually, biblical boundaries are about self-respect. Do you respect yourself enough to limit yourself according to the boundaries the Father's put in place? And then last thing, boundaries are about empowering you. They're not about controlling others. They're about empowering you, not about controlling others. We're, going to put a, we're putting a boundary in terms of relationships, in terms of relationships being male and female. But we're not putting a boundary in so we can control people who are struggling with sexual identity. That's not the point. We're saying this is what we believe scripturally to be healthy and good. We're not going to control. I'm not going to be slapping people and fussing at people and blowing guilt trips on people. That defeats the whole point. Those that were broken in society ran to Jesus. They weren't running away from Jesus. All of us have brokenness inside of us. All of us are struggling with issues in our life. Not just LGBTQ+, but the culture's highlighted this issue. That all of us are struggling with things. So be careful not to become prideful in that space. So then you may ask, all right, so Adam, you're saying here are these boundaries. But what if I am struggling with LGBTQ? Or what if I even agree with that lifestyle? I'm not struggling myself, but I agree with that lifestyle. So are you telling me that anybody that struggles being LGBTQ+, in that context, are you telling me they now need to put a boundary in place and be lonely the rest of their life? Absolutely not. Because the flip side is, if you see over in John, John chapter 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. We are called to same-sex relationship. Huh? Don't be tweeting that now. Adam just said, called to same-sex relationship. It's all good. No, 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 no. We are called to same-sex relationship, but not same-sex romantic relationship. You can have a deep, emotionally intimate, healthy friendship. Matter of fact, you should have friendships like that. I need other men in my life who I can talk openly with about things that I'm wrestling with as a man to make me a better husband, a better father, a better friend to people. I need that safe space where I can be emotionally intimate with another man, and it's not a romantic thing. It's safe, and it makes me better and draws me closer to Jesus. A woman needs the same type of friendship with another woman that's emotionally intimate with another woman so she can open herself up, so she can become a better a friend, a better wife, a better mom, a better female in society to draw closer to Jesus. We need deep relational friendships, same-sex friendships. That's why we're doing this whole series on relationships. That's why we push against so many things in types and context of one life youth. Because we want you to have healthy relationships. Healthy same-sex relationships. I want you and your group of boys to be tight. <laughs> I want you and your group of girls to be tight. And they know all your junk. They know all your stuff. <laughs> know everything about you. And it's a safe place. Because they challenge you. They get in your face when you cross over the boundary. And they challenge you to push forward. 
not calling you to a life of loneliness, calling you to manage what you're feeling, to put boundaries around what you're feeling. And that's not just for LGBTQ plus either. If you're heterosexual, male or female, you need to put a boundary around you what you're feeling as well. It's not a free-for-all. <laughs> as a man in a marriage for 22 years, I love my wife desperately. If I don't put a boundary around what I'm feeling, I can be attracted to other people and blow my life up. Just because I'm married doesn't mean things go away. Feelings, emotions don't go away. You still have to manage that. I have to redirect it constantly back to my wife. Because this side of me, this, this dead man that's inside of me keeps trying to come back to life inside of me. And Vanessa and I are scrapping and fighting and she's irritable and she thinks I'm doing something wrong and I'm not. I'm never doing anything wrong. And she thinks I am. And just stuff's happening in our house, you know. And, she's, and the boys think I'm doing stuff wrong and a dog's barking at me. And what's going on? You know, the whole family's upset. And all it takes is something like that. And I'm strolling down the street someday and some girl come walking by and show me the right eye. Like, hey, Hmm, hmm. And then I go home, and then I go home, and then I go home, and everybody's like, I, 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 oh, I don't want to be there. I want to be over here, right? That's what starts happening. Because I'm not saying, no, 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 no. I have to put a boundary in check. This tense environment right now is healthy for me. I don't like the way it feels. I don't want to be here. It doesn't feel nice. It's not all about me. It's not telling me how amazing I am. It's telling me how sucky I am right now, and I don't like it. But it's good for me, so I become a better man. I put boundaries around what I feel. And when I focus where Jesus wants me to go, my emotions in time come follow. We've taken boundaries off sexual identity, sexual uh, gender identities. We've taken boundaries off of it and said, be whatever you want to be. And that grouping of people that are pursuing that route. Suicidal thoughts, suicide attempts, and anxieties double the average population. Boundaries are for your good. If you're struggling with LGBTQ plus tonight, I'm not telling you you need to be alone. I'm not denying what you're feeling. But I'm saying, hey, if we're going to follow Jesus, let's start putting boundaries around what we're feeling and start focusing where Jesus is calling. Now, you may be called... To be celibate your entire life. I don't know. Some are. I mean, Jesus was. There are some called to be celibate their entire life. Never have a romantic relationship. And they're called to that. And they navigate that. And they have amazing, incredible lives. And they're not all like Mother Teresa's either. Okay? <laughs> so you know, right? <laughs> I'm not being a Mother Teresa. Some people are just normal, average people in society. But they've been called to be celibate their entire lives. Others who struggle with same-sex attraction have managed their emotions, put boundaries where they know they didn't need to go there. This is good for me. This is good for me. I'm a male. I'm a female. I should be attracted to opposite sex. I'm going to focus there. And are now happily married in healthy marriages. And the, their partner knows they struggle with same-sex attraction. Some of them, the same-sex attraction has left. Some of them, it hasn't left. But they are managing it and in a healthy and good relationship. And have healthy friendships with same-sex people. Healthy friendships. And they write books about it and tell you it's the joy of their life. <laughs> the question is, what are you going to do?
Maybe you believe differently here tonight. Maybe you're a student here. You're not struggling with your sexual identity or your gender. But you say, you know, I'm going to agree with out there. I'm going to think the Bible, you know, well, you know, it's old school. You know, not have to really, you know, man, woman. Yeah, there's lots of other stuff happening. I'm not sure I'm going to align with that. You have to be very careful when you start doing that. Very careful. Because what's to say, well, this isn't true. Well, then maybe that's not true. Well, maybe that part over there is not true. Well, then maybe that's not true. And we're not talking about the specific details because some of it is poetry. We're talking about the general principles of Scripture. We have to believe it's true even when it's uncomfortable for us. We have to believe it's true. Because if we don't, we start designing a God that looks like us. And that's not a God at all. Matter of fact, all through Scripture we see people trying to do the same thing and it never worked out well for them. <laughs> it never works well for anybody. We design God in your image. Maybe you're in that space. Maybe you're in the camp tonight, or maybe you are struggling with your, your, your identity, your gender identity tonight. And you're wrestling with this, and you're wrestling with God. I want to encourage you to keep wrestling. Stay on the journey. We're not denying what you're feeling. We say stay on the journey and, and put boundaries around where your emotions are and focus on where the Scripture says it's good for you to go. Put your focus there. We can have conversations around that. You can have conversations with other people around that if you need to. In our small groups, in just a moment, we're going to small groups. In our small groups, there are a lot of questions around this tonight. I want to encourage you to have open discussions if you're in those small groups tonight. But understand, please understand, we take a biblical position because that's what we believe is the, is the healthy way for relationships. Okay, You've got to understand that. We're not going to deviate from this. Okay, We're not going to go, oh, you've convinced us. It's time to change. Sorry, I've lived my life according to this book for almost 50 years can't change. I'm not going to change. And this church is going to change. And because God's not going to change. But we love you. It may be uncomfortable. It's okay. Live in the uncomfortable nature of it. If you're in the position tonight where you're in agreement with where this is, then come into your small group tonight with hum humility. With lots of humility. And how do we love well? How do we love well? Go in listening. Understanding, hearing people's stories, because everybody's got a story to tell of why they are where they are. And for all of us, I want to encourage all of us to make better choices from tonight. Make better choices about our relationship, the choices that will ultimately lead towards health and God flourishing, more of His goodness flourishing in our life, because that's where it always leads. Without a shadow of a doubt, it always leads there. You show me broken families, broken society, I'll show you. The scripture boundaries being broken over and over again. Just the way it works. We love you. No matter where you are tonight, we love you. But there's a clear boundary God's put in place, a boundary around sexual gender, around gender identities, male and female. It is for your good. It is for your pleasure. It is for the enjoyment of life. And it's for his goodness to flourish. Next week, we're looking at dating. And we're going to talk about the boundaries that need to go there. One question I'll encourage you to start thinking about towards dating next week, so the dating conversation. Why do we always ask, how far can I go in the relationship versus how pure can I stay? Isn't that always the question? How far can we go? How far can we go? Because it's the nature of our heart to push the boundary. Okay? It's just what we do as people because we're messed up. We need Jesus. I'm going to pray. We're going to go to small groups. Go into small groups with attentive ears. And ask questions if you have questions. Have healthy discussions. And understand we're on a journey together towards being more like Jesus.
Father, we are grateful for all that you're doing among us. We're grateful that even in nights like this, we know that you love us. Even when it doesn't feel like in our emotions that we're loved, your scripture tells us we love you and we will rest on it. Father, I pray for any student here tonight that may be wrestling with their gender identity. I pray your grace and your truth would be upon them. I pray that more than anything else, they know that they're loved and that you're calling them to a life of flourishing and goodness. I pray for students tonight that may be uh, believing differently around the sexual gender and identities. Father, I pray tonight that you would, you would, as they go into small groups, that their minds would be open to your scripture, to your word, to your truth, even if it is a hard, difficult truth. And I pray for those of us that are in agreement with the scripture right now, that we would remain humble. That we'd never become prideful and point fingers. That it's never about controlling or judging. That it's always about how do we love better. How do we love better. We love you, Jesus. May your spirit be in every conversation had tonight. And we all leave this place with deeper understanding and deeper relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, if you're a guest with us tonight, if you're a guest with us, uh, just outside this door, there'll be a couple ladies standing there. They'll direct you to a small group. It's kind of for your age and your gender. Uh, otherwise, you can go with a friend that you came with. You no know, normal small groups.